You're listening to the Cairn 10 Podcast, where we bring alumni back inside Cairn University. Well, it's 2020 now, alumni, and uh, it's always an opportunity for us to think about the future and goal setting. And we wanted to make sure that we bring you several voices from Cairn to address the issue of setting goals. And we have that in three particular areas, the financial, career-related goals, and then most importantly, spiritual goals. So make sure you stay tuned to hear three individuals from Cairn who you may recognize their voices and a little bit of the expertise they bring to those various subjects. I'm with Keith Johnson, Executive Director of the Regency Foundation at Cairn University. Keith, what would be some things you would suggest for people who are thinking about financial planning goals as we enter the new 2020 year? You know, the new year is always a great time to think about budgeting. Um, you want to make sure you're able to manage your income and expenses well in 2020. When you're looking at income, be sure to use the actual net being deposited into your account, not your gross pay. Some people make that mistake. You know, I think you should make 2020 the year to focus on reducing debt. We are currently enjoying the best economy in many, many years. Employment is up, incomes are up, so now is the time to pay down debt, not increase it. Another idea that I have is if you've reached the age of 70 and a half, I suggest you consider taking your required minimum distribution at the beginning of the year. The stock market is at an all-time high, so taking funds out when the market is high is always to your advantage. And speaking of those who are 70 and a half, if, if you want to avoid paying taxes on your required minimum distribution, consider doing a qualified charitable distribution directly from your IRA to Cairn University. This is one of the best ways to give and reduce taxes at the same time. Well, as we enter the new decade, consider taking a fresh look at your estate plan. When was the last time you reviewed your will and other estate planning documents? We're pleased to offer a free service to our alumni and friends, and it's, it's called Free Will. Uh, let me give you a website. It's www.freewill.com forward slash Karen. That's freewill.com forward slash Karen. When you go into the site, you'll be able to prepare a complete set of estate planning documents. When you complete the process, you'll have the choice to either send the documents to your attorney for review, or you can simply print them out and get them notarized, and they're good in all 50 states. We're really pleased to be able to offer this uh, to our alumni and friends. So this new year, I think, uh, provides a great opportunity to make sure that your financial house is in order. That's great. We'll make sure we link at the podcast below to the free will site so people can find that. Sounds great. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. We're with Terry Catanio, Director of Career Services at Cairn University, here to get some information as people are thinking through goals and uh, have career, general career questions. Terry, what would you suggest for some first-time job seekers? We just graduated, as we're recording this, a new crop of alumni who are headed out into the, into the um, employment world. What advice do you give people who are seeking jobs for the very first time? So for first-time uh, job seekers, for those who have just graduated, they now have their college degree in hand. They should make sure that that resume is just as impactful as that college degree. So what does that mean? 
That resume is a reflection of you. That resume goes to the job before you do. So the hiring manager is going to look at you on a piece of paper or on the screen electronically and look at your skills. They're not only going to see that you have your bachelor's degree in whatever field, but they're really looking at uh, um, a big picture of who you say you are. So make sure that resume is tailored specifically to the industry that you're going in. Make sure that resume has no spelling mistakes. Make sure that That's it makes one. sense. Make sure that it has good flow. And, um, you know, my big pet peeve is don't try to squeeze everything in on one page. Because then what you do is you make six-point type font. And um, don't go overboard with all of the different, you know, color fonts and letters and things of that nature. Just keep it simple. Keep it professional. And um, just put all of the information in there, whether it flows to two pages or if it can actually fit on one page, you're good to go. So two pages, you feel like that's okay. That is absolutely Just don't okay. cram it all down so even absolutely. visually it looks really Make sure that rough. visually and make sure that you run spell check. Right. And um, Probably have somebody proofread it. Oh, times. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Come right. into the Career Center. We'll proofread right. Yeah, you do help people with that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Are there on the Career Center things, are there links to like resume writing suggestions and Actually, that kind of thing? Actually, there is. Yeah. I figured that would if be. If they could go to Career Explorer and there are links in Career Explorer, you will have to sign up, register for Career Explorer. You can find that link to sign up on the Career Center website. Yeah, that's on there. Mm -hmm. Great. How about um, people, so moving forward a little bit. Um, they're, they're looking to switch careers to mm -hmm. move from one to another. So you've talked about the resume being so important, transferring the college experience mm -hmm. onto resume. And that's the main thing they'll see. What about people who are switching careers? What would be the thing that you would say is maybe the most essential aspect to consider mm -hmm. for somebody in that place? The most important thing to consider, look at your resume, think about the industry that you're interested in going into. Think about those skills that you developed while you were in your first job or, you know, second job. Think about how those skills that you developed can easily transfer, okay? You have to sell yourself to the employer. Right. So, therefore, make that employer think that, oh, I've been in your industry all this time. I know the buzzwords. Um, you know, I've, I've got all of this experience from this other industry. I'm going to take that and transfer it over to your experience bringing in some more powerful, vital things to your to this field now. That's great. Mm -hmm. Beyond just switching careers, people who maybe don't quite know what to do, they sort of mm -hmm. feel stuck, they're very, very unhappy in what they're doing, but maybe they're, you know, they're not sure if they can leave, or there are mm -hmm. a lot of peripheral concerns around that. You know, it's kind of a vague question, but I think you know what I mean. There's mm -hmm. kind of that other category. Mm -hmm. When you've counseled people who are in that place, what do you suggest the main thing for them to be thinking about is? So at that point, uh, listen, we're human beings. We grow, we learn, we, we, um, we change. And so therefore, we have to not beat ourselves up because, oh, I went to college to get this degree, and now I'm going to do something totally different, but I just don't know what that looks like. I would recommend um, taking a career assessment. And for alumni, come back into the Career Center where you can take a free assessment. And we typically use the Strong's Interest Inventory. So you take that assessment. We'll talk about um, where do you see yourself in the next year or two? What does that look like? Let's talk. Let's hash it all out. And then we can try to uh, come up with a really solid career plan and figure out, do you need more education for that? Or is it time to like think about your hobby 
and jump right in there or be an entrepreneur. Sorry, where can people go to find you and more information about the Career Center? You'll find us on erin.edu slash Career Center. Perfect. We have Tom Allen, Associate Professor in the School of Divinity. Tom, as our alumni think about the year 2020, do you have any suggestions on spiritual goals that they may want to consider setting for themselves? Sure, absolutely. In fact, having been here 27 years, I send my greetings in the name of Jesus to all you alumni that I've taught you and now I'm teaching your kids and very thankful for that. Spiritual goals should probably best be thought of under the the, the rubric of spiritual disciplines. In the history of Scripture and the church, believers have found that spiritual disciplines were part of what it meant to grow in Christ. And 1 Timothy 4.8 says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. But before I, I rush into them, I, I often think about the necessity of balance when it comes to spiritual goals because I find that when it comes to practical Christian living, there seems to be two schools of thought that tend to maybe go to extremes. The one school is the let go and let God school, where it's kind of like, well, I just just rely on Jesus. I just let go and, and um, just depend on him to change me. And while that's biblical, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we are to abide in Christ. I think there's a balancing side that says, yeah, but we also have to work hard. I'm reminded of an old Civil War general who told his, his soldiers, trust God, but keep your powder dry. So I think as we think about spiritual disciplines or these goals that we're going to set for this year, that we're reminded that ultimately my spiritual growth is a work of God's sovereign grace. But at the same time, I cooperate or participate with him I think with that in mind, we say, okay, because of what God's done for me and because I love him and I want to respond in love, what are some practical spiritual goals that I could set? So one spiritual discipline that's absolutely imperative is consistent time in the word. So what do I mean by consistent? If these spiritual disciplines are consistent, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. When he talked about prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. So certainly consistent seems to be as close as possible to a daily time where you're reading the word. And and I don't want to get legalistic. I think there's lots of methods, there's tools out there, devotionals. But I do want to encourage you to be as close to being right in the word as possible, um, as opposed to just reading others' thoughts on the word. Don't set unrealistic goals. You're going to read the whole Bible in a month. But just persevere, maybe pick a book, determine to read through that book several times before you move on to another book. Maybe a study Bible will give you a, a jump start as you start some new portions of Scripture. Certainly, I don't want to downplay. Many people find a great benefit reading through the Bible in a year. This would be a good time to, to do that. But anyway, so a consistent time in the Word. And then secondly... Um, Probably the one that needs the most exhortation is prayer. I think the whole church in America has, has become very anemic, and probably primarily because of our affluence and comfort. Um, prayerlessness is probably indicative of spiritual lukewarmness because prayer is where we express our needs. 
And so when I feel I have need of nothing, it's probably going to end up in my my prayer life. I want to encourage um, you to set a goal this year to learn how to pray. I realize that it's difficult. I don't want to set a time frame. The old Puritans used to say, pray until you pray. So I know that frequently for me, I'm very distracted when I begin prayer. But I have found that with God's grace and enablement through the Spirit, you can persevere. Don't wait till you feel like praying. Discipline yourself and pray. Spurgeon used to say this, the times that we don't feel like praying are the times we need it the most. So the last one, and I'll be brief on this, is a commitment to a local church community and service in the church. If you are regularly involved in your church, praise the Lord, develop a sense of community there, find people that are holding you accountable, and and give yourself to serving the Lord. And in a culture where people are more and more saying, I can worship God from home, let's remember Hebrews 10.24 says, do not forsake assembling together as the habit of some is. The reason they were forsaking back then was out of persecution. Probably in American culture, we're forsaking it because we found other pleasures. But at the end of the day, they're both poor excuses. So hope these three thoughts are helpful. Time in the Word, time in prayer, and time in a local church. Tom, do you have any recommended resources along the lines of what you've been sharing today? Sure. Two things. One would be, for your time in the Word, there's a little book by a man named Milton Vincent called The Gospel Primer. And it's so rich, full of scripture. It's kind of like a daily devotional that's rehearsing all of the treasures and blessings that we have in Christ. I think you will find it very edifying. I And then for prayer, uh, the two books that I, I have found most helpful, actually, I'll mention three quickly. D.A. Carson's book, Praying with Paul, is um, really practical. It takes the prayers of Paul's letters, like the prayer of Ephesians, Philippians. He's got one in Colossians. And gives you a, a model for how to, to maybe learn, memorize parts of them, and, and put them into your, your, your daily prayer life. The second one is a book by Layman Strauss, and it's called Prayer, Sense, and Nonsense. It answers things like praying in Jesus' name, how do I pray according to God's will, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit, what does it mean to pray in faith. So it's very practical. And then the third book by... Tim Keller is, I think it's just called Prayer, but that, that book was very, very rich. He's very well read, and he has a lot of very practical ideas and quotes. Uh, one quickly I'll share. He suggested that when we ask God things, we need to be very specific, and he quoted from J.I. Packer, and tell God why you're asking him this. What is your motive? And so for a couple years, I had been praying that God would move my daughter from Arizona up this way so that I could disciple my grandchildren and I was very specific as to why and the Lord graciously answered that prayer and my daughter now lives three houses away with four of my grandchildren so I'm very grateful and that book stimulated my prayer life so I hope these might be a helpful starting point. Thanks Tom. You're welcome.